You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast, aka the ROTB pod. I'm your host, Blake Murphy 7. And a shorter show today, which may be surprising, but off the last week, uh, but. Part of, I think, a lot of fans will agree is there's not that much to talk about with the Arizona Cardinals uh, because there's not that much good to talk about. And I think that we'll get into some of these details. I think a lot of fans are obviously trying to find out what is going on with this team that has not looked the same since Kyler Murray has returned to action, since the defense has seemed to struggle the last two weeks. And coming off of a loss to the Detroit Lions, we'll talk about them taking on the number one rusher in the National Football League here in Jonathan Taylor. But first, uh, let's go ahead and uh, recap a little bit of the last two games, at least. You got the Rams-Cardinals game on Monday Night Football, and this is a high-pressure, high-intensity game because this is the first game the Arizona Cardinals had a chance in this year to be able to clinch the division victory. And that's a big deal for Cardinals fans. That's a big deal because the Cardinals in the past, as we've seen, have had issues when it's come to being able to get some of these closeout wins, especially last year in the Cliff Kingsbury era, a win-and-you're-in scenario in two weeks of the last season, and they get run all over in both of them. And I think that's a key to talk about, but let's go ahead and at least go over what was the biggest turning points in the game, what was there. I think Kyler Murray overall played well. Obviously, you have the interception that he threw right to a Rams defender as the biggest problem. The goal line, at least, being the other one where when you essentially flip the field and take seven points off of your team and give seven points to the other team, that's a huge turning point in a game. Now, the Cardinals, I think, at least in this game, we're not necessarily able to run the ball well on the Rams, but when you're looking at exactly what broke down in the game, a lot of it really came down to essentially that play with the interception where the Cardinals are about to go up on a 10-0 uh, lead against the Rams, turn the ball over. And this is where I think we've talked about with the Cardinals, and I brought this up, uh, whether it was on Tim Ring's show, whether it's been brought up in here in the past, but the Cardinals are a team that thrives off of, <laughs> I guess what you could call vibes. When they get turnovers early, when they score and put up points early, able to get some stops early. In this game, it seemed like everything was going to go the Cardinals' way. A 10-play drive going down the field. You had at least a uh, deep pass to A.J. Green, at least. The Rams 35, you're able to take a Matt Prater field goal. You forced the Rams to go three and out. Drive down the field again. It seemed like you were about to be able to make a huge statement. Instead, the Rams come back with that 10-play drive. You end up seeing the Cardinals um, being able to not really stop Cooper Cup at all on that drive. He touched the ball at least six times on that drive. The biggest thing, of course, being uh, the big play, at least, where it was, uh, I want to say, third and six, Arizona 46. Seven-yard pass, at least, over the middle. Cardinals are not able to bring Stafford down. End up with Jordan Hicks on the coverage. And the Rams are able to take the ball into the end zone. Suddenly, you are down. The Cardinals, then, on the other side, flip it end up having a penalty that you had with a holding a defensive offsides in force, no play on third and 23 on a passing play in which the Cardinals have picked up 26 yards. Instead, what do you have? Well, you have a penalty for holding on Max Garcia in place. And you really, as a Cardinals fan, just felt like at that point, you just, all right, you, gotta, you just got to give up there. It seemed like the Cardinals had a shot. You get to halftime. They managed the ball clock while Kyler Murray essentially creates. I think there was a crazy stat that he created about 36 of some 40 or so yards that they needed to go to get a field goal, and they were tied at the half. Rams come out with a ball, and what happens? You have probably what I would say is going to be one of the biggest plays of the game. Isaiah Simmons with an unnecessary roughness penalty for 15 yards, and then they have a 52-yard touchdown on the very next play. A lot of times you'll see teams, when they have those big penalties, struggle to get back in place. And then the game was still within reach until that Kyler Murray, and this is, again, going back to the pattern of the first time the Cardinals touched the ball in the second half, he just seems to, at home, throw the ball to the other team. Uh, ends up not really trusting that the linebacker will be able to get up and get the ball. Kind of seems to trust his arm. A bit of a lazy throw. Maybe could just throw it away. It's second and 10 after all. 
And the Rams would go up 27 to 13. And at that point, it felt like it was basically game over. Yet a couple of back and forths for the team. The Cardinals are able to make it close in the end. But you have kind of one of the biggest turning points of the season. You lose DeAndre Hopkins. Now, people may have said that maybe Cliff played it well to go down and get the field goal. Maybe you should have gone for a touchdown is what some people had said. Um, on third and nine, they had a sack, had to kind of kick the field goal. Arizona does get the ball back. But with no DeAndre Hopkins on the field, there's not really any chance for a Hale Murray. And this is where he comes down and gets tackled between two guys. And this kind of continues one of the sad narratives of the, I guess you could call it, maybe the warning shot over the bow. And I noted this last year, at least, and I was thinking at least that it was not as much of an issue. But Chandler Jones last year at 31 years of age, it felt like he was starting to slow down because the first four games of the season, he played teams that either had backup tackles, rookie tackles, or just not great offensive tackles. And he had one sack through those first four games before he was gone for the season with a bicep injury. All right. Hassan Reddick steps up, but you at least would hope that in a contract year, Chandler Jones would have stepped up. And it seemed like he was bound to through the first game of the season. I'm wondering if Cardinals fans should be concerned if we're going to see DeAndre Hopkins, who went from A.J. Green saying Hop doesn't miss games earlier in the year to missing a multitude of games, three games at least in a row, to now where he is out for the season, getting at least surgery on his knee. And I think this is kind of what breaks down for what I've said about the Cardinals. The Cardinals in 2021 have had bad luck. They've had bad luck on the offensive line that they've overcome, I think, to a certain degree. Now, obviously, they didn't really overcome it against the Rams, and they seem to struggle mightily without Rodney Hudson against the Lions. But I think what we have to look at as far as what the Arizona Cardinals is, the fact that this is a team in when you're talking about them building something for the future, a lot of those star players that they have, guys like the young stars, like the Buddha, Kyler, talking about Byron Murphy should be up there, I think. Jalen Thompson is a big name. You're also looking at Isaiah Simmons, and hopefully you can get that from play from your rookies this year and Rondale Moore, Zayvon Collins. We've seen some plays from Josh Jones. He's kind of been relegated to a backup role in his second season. We'll see if he's able to man a tackle spot. The biggest thing with the Cardinals is that their true stars outside of Kyler Murray are really, in that respect, who are their pro bowlers? They're all aging. They're all 30-plus, or in DeAndre Hopkins' case, about to be 30-plus. And a lot of that is not because the team even drafted them. It's because the Cardinals traded and acquired these stars. Steve Kime did not have an edge rusher on the team. Trades a second for Chandler Jones. Great trade. Steve Kime and the Cardinals need a wide receiver badly. Instead of taking C.D. Lamb and waiting a year or two, they go out, trade a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins in a very lopsided trade. He's about 27 years old at the time. But overall, I think you can probably say that that's been a win for Arizona, regardless of what happens with Diop. And then you get to Rodney Hudson, Cardinals missing out in free agency, signing... Um, J.J. Watt to upgrade the defensive tackle position as they tried in the fourth round, didn't find some help, tried to sign Jordan Phillips, didn't help, kept bringing Corey Peters back because he's been one of the more uh, productive players at defensive tackle. They signed J.J. Watt to help fill that gap. Hope that Zach Allen will step up at the defensive end. And what we have seen in a lot of cases is that when the Cardinals have not had Hopkins, they still had a chance with Colt McCoy. They ran the football well. They had to adjust their offense, but they ran the football well. When the Cardinals didn't have Rodney Hudson, they were able to adjust by continuing to run the football, being able to use that horizontal passing game. I think defenses have been adjusting somewhat to that. We saw even how defenses with Aaron Donald were adjusting to the point where he seemed to take it personally <laughs> that he had his lowest PFF grade of his entire career against Arizona. Maybe it was the second lowest of his career, but for sure the lowest pass rushing grade of 2021. And with J.J. Watt being out, I think this is the only stat that really matters with the Cardinals. We'll get into this with the next upcoming Lions game. But if you look at how the season started and then look at the J.J. Watt injury, it has been a very different season since. And that not only shows, I think, the tremendous amount of leadership and character that a guy like J.J. brings, but the talent that he is when healthy. Uh, the Rams game ends up being a spot where the Cardinals, you had some layway. The Rams needed a win badly. They at one point had lost three games in a row. 
And we have seen at least how the Arizona Cardinals usually, when they've gone through and lost to a team this year, they have been able to bounce back. However, this Lions game has got, I think, everyone, including me, I think in a lot of ways, in a tizzy because when I was originally going to sit down last week to make this podcast, I was thinking, all right, this is the case. Lions don't have the talent. Cardinals have this talent. There is no way the Cardinals are going to lose to the Lions. And I thought about it, and I realized, you know what? That's probably not the right thing to say. When you look at how this Rams game played out with the Cardinals turning the ball over twice with how they were not able to effectively stop Cooper Cup or the Rams were not even really able to run the football effectively, but still were able to move the ball and get into the end zone. The Cardinals were at one point at least were quite simply a, we would call at least seemingly like a miracle needed to make up for the fact that their offensive line seemed to have a holding call each play. And I know that crew had a lot of holding calls called throughout the year. But when it comes to the cards and what we have seen, they have not just been the same team since that J.J. Watt injury. And that really has, I think, played out in the Lions game where they go on the road to Detroit, a team that under Cliff Kingsbury, they've not beaten. And each time you think this has probably been the more talented team, maybe outside of that 2019 season in which, you know, Arizona was losing 24 to six play the Lions again. They try to come back or not able to put them away this game. They were down 24 to six, but it was that they were down 17 zero at the half. I think that's probably what scared Cardinals fans the most is when you've got a team that's coming off of a loss. And we all know that two losses in a row in the NFL is not necessarily a death sentence, but it sets you back in a huge way. If you're trying to be the top seed, if you're trying to be a team that, able to win your division it's a blow the reason why it's a blow is because it makes it where you don't want to be that team that loses three games in a row rams lost three games in a row earlier this season and look what happened to them they've had to be tooth and nail crawling to get back in when they're at one point were considered the favorites in the division to win the nfc west the cardinals go out and just seem to come out flat on the road but i think there's more to it than that I think when you talk about it and said that this Cardinals team is too talented and you say that the Lions team isn't talented, well, while the Lions team can execute, I think that the talent has become an issue for Arizona. We haven't talked about it as much, but the Cardinals offensive line, we've seen Max Garcia. While he's gotten a Pro Bowl alternate nod, and I think that he's deserved some of that this year for his ability that he's played at Red Guard and Center. The last two weeks, it has not been the same. He looks like he's been beat up and has been kind of playing it through injuries. Credit to him for doing that. But it's a difficult place to be. Complimentary of him when you're seeing how the Lions essentially came in with a game plan of going to run the ball in this Arizona defense and not believe that they have the capacity to stop us. And unfortunately, that game plan has turned out so far and to be right. And that's the question Cardinals fans are asking. Why is it this team, which has all these players that started off seven and zero, has finally seemed to sink where they're three and four in the last couple of games? And when you look at how the game went, it's very simple to see what went wrong for Arizona. The Lions come out from the gate, are able to drive down the field and able to go, uh, put up points on the board. You're thinking as a Cardinals fan, all right, the offense will come out. They go three and out, come out flat. The Lions go and take over, drive down the field and are essentially able to go up 10-0. You're like, all right, that's not that big of a deal. The Cardinals can still come back from this. But then you end up seeing how the Lions perpetually were able to almost run at will against Arizona, how Jared Goff was not able to be sacked. Chandler Jones seemed like he was a step late. And at the end of the day, you really looked at the game essentially ending right with what I would call the death blow at the end of the second quarter. So, Breaking it down, this is where it was, and I remember watching this game at least, and this is where I was thinking through. The Cardinals punt three and out, punt three and out. Lions have already gone up by 10 points. You have a chance to get back in if you're Arizona. You force a three and out. The Cardinals go and drive down at least to the field. You're at third and three, and you have a sack where the rusher is not picked up. The offensive line doesn't pick him up. Sometimes Kyler is able to be able to pick up or get away from some of those, but you got an unblocked, a free rusher. In whatever case, the communication was off. Lions punt again. Cardinals then at least seem like they've finally gotten their act together. They drive down. And then, of course, you have it where this is kind of the most questionable area where I think you see Cliff Kingsbury kind of figured it out. Cardinals take over at least. You get a short pass to Kirk. 
You end up with a deep pass to Christian Kirk, at least under pressure. You're able to pick up yards and get down to the Detroit 20-yard line. You start end up getting the Cardinals converting with first and goal after a short middle pass to James Conner. And what is the plays that we're calling? You have a quick pass to Rondale Moore. You have a quick pass to Christian Kirk. And then on third and three, you go with a pass to A.J. Green on a fade route. Cardinals go for it on fourth and three, and suddenly you have a either drop ball and complete short ball to Antoine Wesley. Clearly was intended for DeAndre Hopkins. Lions then go for the kill shot. And this is why when the Lions, I think, previously had gone for it, uh, they had a three and out. They had their plays on fourth and two. That false start essentially made it where they had a huge play that took Detroit off of the field. The Lions realized that the Cardinals didn't have the heart and they could put them away. When the Cardinals had a chance to take it back, you can question and say, why didn't Cliff Kingsbury from the six-yard line give his ball to James Conner? And I think that this is part of where either A, the Lions game plan was essentially, we're going to say, Arizona, you want to beat us? You'll have to pass it to these guys outside. You're going to have to pass the ball to beat us because we are not going to let you and James Conner run as well. I think that changed a little bit in the second half. I think this is a game where Cliff Kingsbury came out and wanted to maybe whether it was tweak things or see whatever spot it was. The Cardinals could not commit to running the ball. They were afraid to run the ball up the middle. And perhaps part of that is you've got Max Garcia, who's been banged up at center, Josh Jones at right guard. You got Chase Edmonds you're working back in. And I think that the Cardinals were in a spot where they simply were a little afraid and tentative to run the ball. And that is ultimately, I think, what cost them in the first half. Now, Kyler was a bit off, obviously. You can talk about the defense giving up. I think the defense holds the offense back some. But you were able to force some stops when you were the Cardinals in the first half, the defense. You were only down 10-0. The defense had been doing their job. And then the Lions turned it back around. You have that big play, and they go up 17-0. And by all accounts, at that point, the game is over. Was it technically over? No, but the game was over. Arizona has to go down at least for that one. They drun, drive the football up the middle between Chase Edmonds and James Conner. You had one pass on that entire play. The Cardinals come out of the half, run the ball down their throats, get all the way down to the Detroit 18-yard line. Pick up six yards. You're at second and four on the 12. What ends up happening? You run the ball again with Chase Edmonds. Doesn't get it. And then that's where you then go for A.J. Green. Doesn't get it. Fourth and three. They take the points. And this is where the Cardinals, a lot of people said, maybe if you're 17-6, all of a sudden you're talking about a field goal and a two-point conversion away. At this point, at least, the defense has been on the field for a huge amount of the first half. Now, sure, the Cardinals get a fumble, at least, for that play that you have there. And then, of course, maybe there's a shot at that point at 17-6. You're managing the game. And then you had, essentially, even though that death blow that probably ended the game in the first half, you had at least the what you call double tap, where you shoot again a second time to make sure that something is truly dead. The interception on second and eight. Kyler Murray throws a pass a bit late, a bit outside. A.J. Green doesn't make as much effort to come back to the ball. It is picked off. The defensive back runs the ball back 50 yards because A.J. Green decides to kind of throw a temper tantrum on the sideline. I don't fault him as much for the tantrum, but it is a repeating pattern we've seen of A.J. Green in a lot of ways just not being on the same page with his quarterback, of not putting forward maybe some of the effort that's needed. Looking like he cares about A.J. Green and cares about when he gets the ball in ways, but doesn't care quite enough to be able to get the Cardinals to win. And that's why I've said I don't think he'll be a Cardinal next season. He's 33. If you wanted to run it back, I think there's going to be other options out there. You know, maybe you try to... See if you can get an Allen Robinson of the Bears. Try to bring him in on a similar deal. See if you can, or should take, give some life into his career. Lions go down, make it 24-3, and then the Cardinals, after another 11-play drive, have to settle again for a field goal. At this point, I think they should have just kind of, you wanted to get some points, get some momentum. We've seen the Cardinals come back down 24-6 before to the Lions. But it felt like at this point, the Cardinals could have probably just kept trying to go for it. They wanted to get points. You probably could have had a couple of times that you tried to go for it and get it on fourth down. Maybe that helps you get back to 24-10. Suddenly, you're only two scores down. You've got a chance to tie late in the game. And instead, we end up seeing the clock essentially bleed out. The Lions kind of have a few punts. The Cardinals try to make a comeback. But in the end of the day, all the Lions had to do was Run the ball a bit, take advantage at least of two penalties. The big swing that kind of kicked the Cardinals out of it when they're at 12-27 at least. They did not get um, 
and a touchdown, at least if they did for the most part, to be able to come back. They tried the two-point conversion attempt and complete was one of those days. Really is those penalties that Arizona had that ended it. So the question that people have is what is wrong with the Cardinals? Why are they fading? Why are they failing? And I've got three reasons why. That'll be up here after this break here on the ROTB pod. We're back on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. So let's talk about why is it the Cardinals seem to be fading? Is it coincidence? Is it difference? I, I think the first and easiest reason is, like I said in the earlier, J.J. Watt, they're 7-0. Since Watt went out, they're 3-4. and four. And then without DeAndre Hopkins, you take a look at, they have two wins on their, tri- on their schedule. Uh-huh, they got two wins, yeah. They've got... Um, when you're talking about taking the Packers game out of it, he was there, had a touchdown, goes out of the game. Let's put that game on ice. Without him, they've got three losses. And I think people are underestimating the impact that having Rodney Hudson at center, whether to pick up the blitz, to ensure protections are set for Kyler Murray, to being able to help them effectively run the football, whether there's younger guys or backups there. We're able to see the Cardinals get by with Max Garcia and Josh Jones earlier in the season for a few games, but he definitely showed against some of the tougher and more difficult opponents, especially shutting down when Aaron Donald early in the season, how important he is. I think that Hopkins dictates a lot of things for the Cardinals offense, because you look at things past Hopkins, you say, who is the playmaker on this Cardinals team? You see, AJ Green is good at getting some of these 50-50 balls, but there's struggles that you've seen, at least in the red zone, when he ends up being the main guy down there, we've seen at least in the past where, you know, he was able to catch a fade, get another kind of touchdown run, and he's been fine down there. But really, like what I said, and they've said this before, was the Cardinals essentially are a team that relied on James Conner to run the ball in, that can use Kyler Murray's legs. And their passing game had eight touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins. But they haven't had very many long touchdowns, at least it seems like, at least not for a while. Last one you can think of for the most part would probably be one of those long touchdowns that they had to A.J. Green against a team like, I would say, the Rams earlier in the season. Maybe talk about one of the Zach Ertz runs. There's been times we've seen some long touchdowns, but really, the Cardinals are a team that they get into the red zone. They use their quarterbacks' legs running north to south. We've seen Kyler run east to west, and I think that the first play of the game really dictated the tone for Arizona when Kyler ran a little bit to the side, tried to have a pitch there, and he gets hit. And you can tell the Lions essentially were there bringing this physical game. They were ready to go. The Cardinals were caught offsides. I think that is one reason why is that the Cardinals' talent is not what it was. We're saying, hey, this Cardinals team is more talented than the Lions team. Well, yeah, but you also got to look at this Cardinals team is not as talented maybe as we're giving it credit for. Christian Kirk, at least, has seemed to show that he's a solid Wide receiver three. He hasn't really gotten up to the wide receiver two avenue where you can count on him specifically throughout the season. And even though he's been you know, leading the team in receiving yards, he's taken a step back to A.J. Green. But A.J. Green is not an alpha wide receiver one. And we see in the NFL that when you have stars and stars make plays, you can get by without stars because you've got good enough depth. You're able to win a game or two. But to stretch that out over the course of a season, it's difficult. And we're seeing that already with the Cardinals being a team that went from being nails on fourth down to a team that now has really struggled to stop teams on fourth down who can just simply run the ball and move forward. I think the Cardinals have lost some talent to injury. I think that's the number one reason why we're seeing the Cardinals having issues is because at the end of the day, talent is one of those things that wins in the NFL. Now, if the Cardinals get Watt back, maybe with one or two games left in the season, maybe things suddenly change for the better. Perhaps the team is able to get by with Rodney Hudson coming back in, and then they're able to recommit with Chase Edmonds and James Conner to being able to be a run first team. But they have to be a different team than when they've had Hopkins. Like we've seen with Kyler Murray, he wanted A.J. Green to come back to the ball. We've seen Christian Kirk get open for some deep plays, but struggle at times to simply be that every down type of receiver who can separate at the line. And I think that separation that Hopkins gives is super important because not only does it give you a guy that you can go to repeatedly, it's a guy who doesn't drop passes, albeit outside of that Rams game in which we've seen how the Cardinals just, nothing went their way and nothing seemed to go Hopkins' way in that game either. But I think that the Cardinals, at least like we said, they needed to get a number two this offseason to pair with Hopkins. And now you're looking at a team 
that really with Rondale being a gadget player, we'll see if he's there. We'll see if he can progress into more than that in year two. Christian Kirk being a guy who can fluctuate as a big play guy out of the slot, but really hasn't made that many plays in the intermediate zone as we hoped he would have. They're kind of on a team now that's starting Antoine Wesley on the outside and having to rely on him to be that wide receiver too. And I think that is an area where the Cardinals really need to get a true wide receiver too. Potentially with Hopkins' health being there, we'll see how 2022 goes. But I think the Arizona's going to have to be able to bring in a guy that you can say, yeah, this will be a guy that can pick up the mantle after Hopkins goes, something that they have really been able to do a great job of for a long time. They've been able to go from star receiver, it seems like, to star receiver, to having Bolden and Fitzgerald at the same time, then having Fitzgerald and what seemed like to be the case in Michael Floyd, and then finally moving to DeAndre Hopkins. I'll have to see. I know with Hopkins, a lot of the health issues with him somewhat can stem from just the way that his body works. There's a reason why, obviously, Bill O'Brien traded for, traded him away. I think at this point, you look at it and just say, all right, we'll make that problem for next season. Let's worry about this season for the cards. The biggest thing with this season has been that it seems like their talent has been dwindling. Lost Jordan Phillips to injury. We've seen James Conner start to get banged up after maybe being used a bit much with Eno Benjamin not carrying on as much of the load as you would have liked. And I think that this Cardinals team right now, without Robert Alford, without being able to see their first-round pick step up and play, is really feeling some of the pinch of what the second issue is, which I think at least is a coaching issue. Now, when you talk about is it Vance Joseph's issue, is it that his team is not just coached well to stop the run, his defenses haven't done well against the run? Maybe that's part of it. I think with Arizona, what we said was their offense was their best run defense. But I think it goes deeper than that because that offense was getting points off of turnovers. And that is really, I think, what the key of it is when I say the Cardinals have been kind of this vibesy team. The Cardinals' methodology is get an interception early, get some pressure on the quarterback, force a fumble early, go up, score points, and then force teams to have to play catch up. That is what the Cardinals' bread and butter has been. And some of that is maybe a little bit of luck. Maybe the Cardinals' luck just kind of ran out a bit I think when you take Watt off the field and teams have looked at the Cardinals and said, all right, we're going to adjust. We're going to go ahead and run right at you thinking you can't stop us. And you look at the guys in Jordan Hicks, who's a former pro bowler, who led the Cardinals in tackles in 2019 when, you know, their pass defense was way worse than their run defense. Look at how you've got two safeties in Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker who, you know, are able to be erasers that stop these giant running plays. have made plays in the passing game when Arizona can do well. Look at Isaiah Simmons, at least, being a guy who's turned from being a guy who's really been a question people, people question if he was going to be physical, and he's proven to be more than that. You got Joe Walker having to get snaps on the field when Simmons goes out hurt, partially just because that's the guy you need in coverage because you're not trusting Collins right now. I think the place that you need to look at is at linebackers coach Bill Davis. Because right now, through his time with the Cardinals, we have just not seen, I think, their linebackers run with good eyes. I think we've been able to have them make decent spots in coverage, but we've still seen way too often where someone either gets caught up in a little bit more of the the mush. You've seen guys at least be able to especially run to the wrong spots in the run game where essentially they seem to get blocked out of the plays. And I think there's too much talent that you have amongst all of those players to simply not be able to say, are we having so many problems, so many issues with this Cardinals team that we're not able to have these two guys be able to like play at a high level of being able to stop the run when teams are advertising that they're running it and they're still picking up five yards when you've got a fourth string running back rushing for over a hundred yards in his first game with Detroit, there's a problem there. And I think that you need to isolate what that problem is over the last few games. If you're the Cardinals, if you wanted to say that Vance Joseph is the culprit for that, I've got no issues. If you think you can do better or if you can find someone who in a 3-4 system is able to have that same type of production, have the ability, as we've seen, to be able to generate sacks and pressure for some different turnovers and have solid coverage with young corners down the field or show a 32-year-old like Robert Alford being having a solid returning season. I think you want to figure out where that spot is and quick, but I say I would not be shocked if Vance Joseph is not necessarily the culprit, but if you have to take a look at the linebackers coach, and we saw the Cardinals do this as well 
when they had wide receivers that were simply not really developing under the previous wide receivers coach, they moved to Sean Jefferson. And we've been able to see at least whether it's due to the talent that they've had with AJ Green and being able to get Rondale more involved as far as guy who can at least do a little bit more of that Cliff Kingsbury yards after the catch, who has a bit of a speed threat. In whatever case, it seems like it's worked. I don't know how much of that's the talent or coaching, but I feel pretty confident here that it's going to be the coaching avenue when it's the linebackers. And that's something where with the Cardinals playing this Colts team, get to that here as we wrap up the show, that's going to be a huge test for Arizona. And one which if they are not able to effectively stop Jonathan Taylor and he runs for, say, like 150-plus yards in the game, I think you may need to take immediate action and say, all right, we're going to have to basically go ahead and let go of this linebackers coach. We want to make sure we got to let people know. And it's tough to fire guys in a year where you've come so far and won this, but you have to be able to say that this is inexcusable. You have to find a way to adjust. The third reason why the Cardinals are struggling, I think it's a lot of it comes down to, and this is kind of a place where we talked about how they're missing talent. And I think that missing talent has meant that Kyler's had to press the run defense. I can even mention the def- defensive line played there. The interior defensive line has not had a star there since Calais Campbell left the Cardinals. We've been able to see effective play. The star that really showed up for them was J.J. Watt. And again, this kind of comes back to a little bit of Steve Kime where the Cardinals, by not having these star picks that you're hitting on, having to trade it for talent, works when you're under your quarterback's play. But it also is a struggle when these guys are older, get more banged up. They're available in free agency often for a reason. These aren't the type of players who um, get locked up to these four to five year deals. You think at least of Brady Jarrett in Atlanta, maybe a Chris Jones down in Kansas City. Those are the type of players, at least, that the Cardinals have not had. And then uh, you could say it's probably time, but I think one of the biggest reasons why they're struggling, at least, is when you put all of that together. It really comes down to the fact that when they're not getting those turnovers, teams are able to run the ball, Kyler's having to press. And with Kyler having to press, you're able to see at least that there's the offensive line is having struggles because of the mix around. You're seeing times where guys didn't get it. And it's not to say that it's all completely on the offensive line. But when Kyler's having to press, it's because it's the team is having the issues. And right now we've seen with Kyler Murray, he is a guy that you're having to rely on him to carry this Cardinals team where he hasn't had to carry this Cardinals team throughout the year. The time where he was there to carry that Cards team was back during that Packers game where he was driving down the field at that 99-yard drive. We've seen him carry the team even at places like halftime against the Rams, running the football for 36 yards to get them 40 yards downfield to get a field goal to tie up the game. But having Kyler being able to carry the team for an entire game with guys who are not stepping up and making plays with him on a day where he's just maybe a little bit off. Perhaps it was the early hit. I think that one of the questions you have to start asking is, is Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in this spot going to be something that can work where he's able to carry the team and be able to bring extra talent out of them? Because we've seen if Cliff Kingsbury it's calling games and plays. There's still times where it looks like they've got plays that are there on the field. Now, I can talk about Cliff being an issue of having struggles with the run game. I think you could talk about maybe people have questioned, are the Cardinals just not bearing up for this game? How much of that's on the coach? I don't think that that's something on the coach at all. If your manager comes in and you're not working hard, is that on the manager to then to yell at you and get back in place? No. That's on you for being lazy at work. You need to take care of your own development. And that's something that every NFL player, I think, knows. What coaches have to do is put players in the best position to succeed and make best use of the talent they've had. Now, there are questions about this last year. I had questions about this with Cliff, too. Was Cliff a spot where he was going to be continuing to leave DeAndre Hopkins on one side and not making use of his talent? We saw them adjust this year, not only by adding another talent on the other side, but by being able to manipulate and move Hopkins around a bit more and find more creative ways to get him with the ball, despite not having to necessarily rely on him for a 1,500-yard season. I think that what we've seen with Kyler Murray, at least, is that there's pressure that he's under. And when the rest of the team is around, I think the question is, is Kyler going to be a guy who can carry his team all by himself? When the offensive line is missing blocks, we've seen at times he can run away, be able to make plays on his own. He even did that on a huge play to A.J. Green where he was able to get the Cardinals, got out of a terrible situation and got them into a great range. But I think that we've seen at least as right now with him and his young age, 
there's a level of play that people are expecting him to be able to have to carry the team. We've seen even Patrick Mahomes has not been able to do that. And Mahomes has had Kelsey. He's at Hill. We saw that in the Super Bowl, the struggles that they've had. And I think really when it comes down to football, football is a team sport. And when it's a team sport, if things are even, then it comes down to the play of your quarterback. Lions at least played well enough on defense, but it wasn't that they were great. It was really that they were able to get a huge lead off of the Cardinals and the Cardinals struggled up front. That's where I think that the biggest reason why Arizona's had issues right now is because the Cliff and Kyler have hit a point at least of struggling where they are not quite on the same page. And that's point number three. I think that for whatever reason, either Kyler is trying to have to carry the team. He's throwing the ball. He's pulling it when he's supposed to be running it on plays. He's trying to lift it. And Cliff is simply allowing that. Or there's an area where perhaps Cliff is trying to be able to put Kyler in spot to succeed. And he's not putting him in the best spots because you're talking about the Lions are getting pressure with five. All right, Cliff's working to adjust. You saw some great screens that were popping up. But it's them having to get behind the ball or when things are happening that you're seeing struggles. And I think that that, when it comes down to it is the Cardinals have to figure out a way to adjust. That when they're down in the game, when they're not leading, when they're struggling having to come back, they can get turnovers. We've seen it against Jacksonville. They can come back against teams like the Texans, but neither of those teams was up by that much. The Cardinals get down and they get really down. I think that, I think that Cliff and Kyler, not that they fold under pressure, because I don't think we've seen that at all. It's not like the Cardinals got blown at like 49 to 7. I think that they press a bit much and there's one or two mistakes that they'll make at one point such as maybe Cliff with that fourth down play or Kyler throwing it a bit late and outside. They trust their players a bit much, and there's one or two mistakes that they make that will then sink the Cardinals. And that's the place, at least, is if you are in a spot where your talent has been your talent has been diminished, you're missing a bunch of your pro bowlers, you see that your interior defensive line and you see that your linebackers are struggling. You're not able to stop the run. Teams are able to keep your offense off the field and keep moving the chains. Heck, even score by getting linebackers to have to play the run, getting your safeties to have to play the run, and suddenly, boom, little play-action pass, and you have a touchdown to Amon Ra St. Brown. And the Cardinals, at least, when they have all those things come together, there's enough pressing where Kyler Murray is right now and Cliff Kingsbury are not able to play a perfect football game. They can get close to come back. We saw that against the Rams, but they're not able to play a perfect game. There are mistakes that seem to happen, whether it's due to pressing, experience, whatever you want to call it. The Cards, at least, are best when they are able to be a complete offensive and defensive team. And what we've seen recently from the Cardinals last two weeks has been neither. So how does that lead in to the Colts? Well, here's where I think it is. I think that what we've seen is that the Cardinals got to 7-0. They then run and won two games of the Colts. You'd think that would be the rallying cry. They then came off of their bye week and got four interceptions on a bad Andy Dalton day. Now, the offense had some issues, but... When you talk about turning it over four times, running the ball in, Kyler had 200 passing yards. You thought about it being a cold and rainy day. Kind of write it, you kind of write it off. Okay. Cardinals still dominated. Didn't feel like it as much, but they still had the four turnovers, got four touchdowns, boom, put them away. You have to wonder, did the Cardinals get their talent depleted too much? Did they let up a little bit? And I think at least one of the avenues that I would think of that maybe indicates a little bit of the organization is... You talk about Cliff Kingsbury, the contract deal at nine and two. I don't have an issue with that. He wanted to get paid before the team essentially, you know, went on to play a tougher schedule. No issues with that. But the Cardinals started selling playoff tickets two weeks ago at the start of December. In the last two games, we have seen a heck of a lot of issues with this Cardinals team, whether that be that their talent's been depleted, that they're not able to overcome some of their struggles whether they've been making too many mistakes. The Lions stayed clean outside of the one fumble that Arizona recovered. Jared Goff has always gone off against the Cardinals. They seem to really just have issues with quarterbacks who can step up in the pocket and who have space, can throw the ball, don't have to necessarily run around a lot. They seem to do well with getting chasing down running quarterbacks. But when they don't have the defensive and interior pressure that they need to be able to get and quarterbacks like Stafford and Goff are able to step up, they're able to hit some of those guys over the middle 
where Arizona linebackers are just a step behind. And I think that may be the fatal flaw if there is one of this Cardinals defense is that this team just really needs J.J. Watt. They really, really need an interior defensive rusher. And I give Steve Kem credit because they had Derek Brown ranked ahead of Isaiah Simmons back in that 2020 draft. They knew they needed a difference maker from the interior, could stop the run, stop the pass. And I love to say this, I don't think that Brown has been quite the player that they thought he was, but at least you're able to understand how the Cardinals have gotten to this spot, why some of these guys have posed problems for them. At the end of the day, really, it comes down to those guys have been able to execute, stay mistake-free against this Cardinals defense. It hasn't been a good matchup. They've been able to come out with the win. So Colts game, I think this is a game that I feel like goes one of two ways. And this is probably pretty easy to see. The Colts game plan when they come out is we're going to force mistakes by Arizona. They're going to be playing at home, but they've always had a little bit of lack of comfort for whatever reason. We're going to try to run the ball. With Jonathan Taylor, the NFL's best rusher, we've got a good offensive line, and try to limit Carson Wentz from making mistakes, limit him from having to throw the ball a lot. And in that regard, you could almost say that this Colts team is almost like picture-perfect or hand-picked that should be able to beat the Cardinals. They're a great defense that's able to take the ball away, forcing mistakes. They're a defense that is able to at least get some penetration up front with DeForest Buckner, get some pressure on your quarterback, be able to do a good job against the run, and being able to force turnovers. They are the top team, or at least tied for the lead when it comes to turnovers and turnover margin in the NFL. And in that regard, I think then it comes down to, is this a team that then is just going to run the ball up in Arizona, win 37 to you know 14 or something like that, where Kyler has two picks. Maybe there's a fumble that they actually lose, recovered by DeForest Buckner. And you end up talking about this team dropping three in a row, people questioning whether they will get shellacked by Dallas the next week, whether they'll win a game at the rest of the year, whether they can beat a team besides the Seahawks the rest of the year. And at that point, there's going to be a lot of lack of faith with that narrative that sets in. There's going to be a lot of questions about, do the Cardinals fade down the stretch? Do they just simply have a teams that can't stay healthy, not have depth, and are not able to adjust as well with coaching to be able to overcome it? Some of it has just been one of those cases where I think it's a combination of all of those things. And if that's the spot on Christmas Day and Cardinals fans end up leaving disappointed, then I think you're going to start looking at the fact that Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, who had probably been in line for some deals after this season was done, may have some question marks. They may have to win a playoff game where previously it was assumed that they would win at least a playoff game. Now you're talking about the Cardinals potentially having to go into a year four of whether this Cliff, Kime, Kyla area can make it work. Maybe Kyler Murray doesn't get that contract extension after year three like we all thought that he's going to this year. It's a huge game with so much pressure, and pressure is usually what will either crack you or make diamonds. And that's what I think is the other outcome for this game. The other outcome is the Cardinals essentially look at everyone picking against them. They look at all of the problems and issues they've had. They'll get some guys like a Rodney Hudson back. They'll get some guys coming off of bad games who'll be motivated. And they go out and they're able to force the Colts to have to throw the ball with Carson Wentz. They're able to be able to play well. They let up a couple big plays with Jonathan Taylor. He, you know, is able to rush for his 9,910 yards but they're ultimately able to force some of those turnovers, get up, get a lead, and be able to get back to what they do best, which is effective and efficient running the ball with Kyler, with James Conner, and with Chase Edmonds. And the Cardinals then pull away with some sort of a 30 to, maybe 30 to 17, 30 to 20 score. And I think those are the hard options. It's hard to see this being a game that ends up being close and down to the wire, simply because... (laughs) Because of the way the Cardinals and Colts are, the Cardinals go so heavily off of vibes from the turnovers. The Colts go so heavily off of vibes and turnovers. The Cardinals are great running the ball. The Colts are great running the ball. The biggest thing, at least, is that the Cardinals have a better player at quarterback, but without having a playmaker like uh, DeAndre Hopkins present, you're going to have to then force Carson Wentz into making some of those mistakes where he can't just win a game on five completions. You have to force him to try to get a lot more completions than that. And so I think that this game is one of the, I don't even have a way to pick this game. I think it's going to be some sort of a blowout either way. My optimism says that I don't see this as a Cardinals team that is simply going to fold. That's going to basically say, all right, we're done. I don't think that's going to be the case for this team. I think they've come too far. I think that there's too many people who've seen this opportunity in front of them. 
that want to be able to step up. And so I think that that would lean Arizona winning in this game. But if they lose, then I think we get to come back next week and say, guys, is the season over? Should we be talking about who their first round matchup could be considering the fact that we don't know, you know, the Cardinals are very unlikely at 10 and even if they move out 10 and seven to miss the playoffs, but Hey, there's maybe a team or two catches up. Maybe something happens. Like you're talking about then that type of a fade that then you start reading your own press clippings. If you're Arizona and you really start then questioning a lot of things, that is something I think the team can't afford to have. But if it gets to that and you say, all right, Cardinals get there. They didn't host a home playoff game to go and got spanked by the Rams at SoFi stadium as the Rams seemed to take over the division, took over all the narratives, everything that was yours. You basically gave back up to them. The uh, questions of MVP talk, the questions of best team, the division title. That's all that's going to be on the line for you at this Indianapolis game. Because while the Rams schedule isn't that much easier, they play a decent team in the Vikings that, as we've seen, gave the Cardinals and gives other teams fits too. Not that their schedule is going to be that hard either. They have to go, and after beating Seahawks, and maybe the Rams are a bit better than you know we people seem to you know, hope that they'll fall and collapse, but they always seem to be a little tad bit worse than what people seem to make them out to be as well. That's something I don't think Arizona can afford. If they end up going and kind of caving again down the stretch, you're probably entering a pivotal year four where you have to say, what are the expectations for this team? You're going to have to, if you're Steve Kimes, say, we went out and we wanted to bring in talent because we didn't want to show up flat on road games. We didn't want to cave down the stretch. Cliff Kingsbury, we went and learned to find out how can we not cave down the stretch. Let's go ahead and make sure we can finish strong. If they manage to not do that, there's going to be so many people questioning if they'll be able to. I think that may be an unfair question at this point. But it isn't to say that it's completely out of the realm of possibility that it may not be the case. So again, it's been a down two weeks for the Cardinals. I think that at least that they'll be able to pull it out against the Colts. If they don't, we come back and the Cardinals and we're looking at this case have been, this is the narrative. You're talking about you lost Hopkins for the year. You had struggles as far as with overcoming some of those injuries of COVID. You've lost more players potential. We'll see how practicing goes later this week. You go and you have a Christmas game, a nationally televised game in which people have been watching you essentially lose to the Rams, become a laughing stock to the Lions. If you get essentially annihilated by this Colts team, there's going to be starting to have comparisons to that Buffalo Bills team with Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe the Jets team with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're going to start to look a little bit like a flash in the pan. And that's going to be at least a spot where you're going to probably be looking at this team of this people saying, not just same old Cardinals. You're going to have people who are going to essentially give up. And maybe that would be the spot of Cardinals lose that game. They may themselves be looking at giving up on the season. At that point, if that's the spot and you start to quit on the team and you stop believing, that is really where it can all go downhill for you. Not just in one year, but in multiple years. And we'll see what this Cardinals team is made of as they go and face one of the toughest things of adversity. And we've seen the Cardinals overcome adversity this year in droves. We see no one pick them to win the Titans. They come out and dominate. We see them have to go on the road to play the Rams with expectations. They go out and win. We see them have to overcome this adversity with J.J. Watt having to sack Baker Mayfield on a field in which Vance Joseph is the head coach and another backup assistant wide receivers coach is the play caller. We've seen them have to overcome adversity, winning two out of three games without Kyler Murray. We've seen them have to overcome adversity in a Packers game, in which they're having to essentially play the game, you know, while Devontae Adams is not on that side, the Cardinals have a bit of an edge. DeAndre Hopkins leaves, and the Cardinals end up with a still chance to go and win the game after a crazy fourth down stop. During that week in which J.J. Watt is already ruled out for the season, a huge and massive blow to the team. You tell me the Cardinals can't overcome this Colts team that isn't great. That's good at running the ball on defense, but so are a lot of teams in the NFL. When the quarterback gets under pressure, uh uh-oh. Tell me the Cardinals can't overcome this. It's going to be a hard place to be if that's another loss for next week. And then the Cardinals have another game against the Dallas Cowboys coming up at least. A team that has been surging as of late and has a chance to probably go and jump up into potentially as high as the two seed. Something a seed in which you as the Arizona Cardinals were looking down upon just a few weeks ago. 
We'll see where it goes for that one, Cardinals fans. It's a tense, tough week. The pressure is there. I think this team will be able to respond. What do you think, at least? Let me know. Send me a tweet to at ROTVPod or at LakeMarket7. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I haven't been recording as much as starting a new job recently. Um, we'll hopefully be able to be on with one show, at least, for every game the rest of the season. As well as uh, you can ch- check in next week for that. I'll be a, a special guest on another Cardinals related podcast. Uh, more about that, at least, coming in the following week. Thank you again for tuning in so much. This has been the ROTV Guide.